You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our interview with the Academy Award-nominated editor of the film, Widows, Joe What has happened in the world that normal now passes as excellence? When did we lower our standards? We are living in an environment where people are blind. What you don't see, you don't know. Out of sight, out of mind. All right, everyone. I am being joined right now by an Academy Award nominee, an editor who has worked with the likes of Steve McQueen and Denny Villeneuve. His latest film for Steve McQueen is Widows. Joining me right now is Joe Walker. Joe, how are you today? I'm good, Matt. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Well, very good. I understand that right now you're currently actually uh, talking to us right now from California right now. And I know that you guys are going through a lot right now with the fires over there. I hope everything's okay for you. It's all fine for me. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm far away from the epicenter of it all, but um, it's, yeah, the, the, Basically, the air smells of fire. It smells like a big bonfire at the moment, so it's a little bit apocalyptic. Wow. Now, but you're originally from the UK, and you have been working with uh, writer-director Steve McQueen since the beginning of his career. His first film, Hunger, released in 2008. Then again, you two reteamed up on Shame, 12 Years a Slave. You received your first Oscar nomination for that film. And then you received a few more working with Denny Villeneuve uh, on films like Sicario, Arrival. And here you are back again with Steve McQueen for Widows. I want to know, first and foremost, what was the journey like for you in terms of how you met Steve McQueen and you two first started collaborating with one another? Well, um, uh, I've had a good run. I mean, that's a very good run. Yeah. Uh, You know, when when we first met, it was uh, an interview for Hunger, and I'd been... um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd worked in television and I'd started to move into feature films and I think this was my third feature film that I worked with him on. I had no idea um, what it, how it would pan out. I mean, he was well known as a Turner Prize winning artist. I mean, his installations were, were you know, well known. Um, but at the time, I couldn't really get a whole clutch of DVDs together and take a look at previous work. It was uh, a shot in the dark, what he would do with the material, but, you know, it turned out very well. If I think of um, the cutting room we're in, we were in the cheapest basement, slightly damp basement in, in central London, um, in a place where a writer had killed himself a couple of hundred years earlier. And, oh, my. Um, it was with old-fashioned uh, editing kit with uh drives that didn't always work and um yeah it's been it's it's quite a it's quite a, a journey to uh you know big films like blade runner and uh widows that's for sure absolutely well i mean you've definitely come a long way since then like what is your style like working with steve mcqueen is it are you mostly going through the script um, beat by beat? Does he have a huge say on the final edit with you there in the room? Like, what is the collaboration process like between the two of you? And how has it evolved over the course of the uh, last, uh, well, pretty much all of his filmography? Uh, does he just let you do your own thing? Is he heavily involved? What What's the relationship like? 
Uh, I, I always describe it as being a bit like a dog uh, on a leash, kind of like sniffing, you know, the treasure. You kind of feel like you're a pack of dogs, uh, you know, pulling him towards the kind of areas of attention. And, and the thing about Steve is, you know, um, Steve and Denny, it's really very similar. We're just very thorough and, um, you know, very dedicated to getting the very best out of the material. And, um, that means investigating everything together, and we do that hand in hand. Uh, it's almost impossible sometimes to remember or quite figure out whose idea is what. You know, it's it's just a a, uh, a period of time spent really examining thoroughly the material, and and you know, never more so than on a film where you have such a richness of material. There was uh, 81 speaking parts in Widows and originally had 146 scenes and 75 locations, those kind of figures, which, you know, um, if you think of Hunger, Hunger was, I think, three or four speaking parts and um, lots of silences and and image-driven material. Uh, One big dialogue scene, admittedly, but it was a bar, a few short scenes. It was uh, shot in one set. Um, You know, they rebuilt the age block for that film. And in fact, I think that's where the most part of the budget went. (laughs) Yeah. It was a one one million euro film. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, you have many, many little ingredients that you want to get absolutely perfect. And in a heist movie, you know, the rhythm and the pace of it is is really important. Yes. I would sit next to Steve day in, day out, and we'd just keep trying to kind of fix things or uh, alter things, um, finesse things, uh, trim and pare things down. And, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, it's a lot of work. Especially with a film like this, too, where there are twists and you don't want the twist to come off so much that you're losing the audience. You definitely want the audience to be surprised, but you don't want to necessarily show your hand. And there was a bit of that also in films like Arrival. I don't know if this is this is probably not intentional. I think it's just coincidental. Uh, almost all of the films that you've been working on lately have employed some sort of a flashback structure mm-hmm. where we see a clip of something that's spliced in. Maybe it's a memory that the character uh, is experiencing or uh, just a jump in time back to the past. And I, I don't want, I, I hesitate to say it's a style that you're doing. I think it is mostly the scripts, but are, are you aware of that in your work that most of your work has employed this kind of structure? Well, often it isn't in the script. I mean, that's... Oh, so there, see, there you go. So you guys are, you know, like like they say, the editing is the final rewrite of the script. You guys are perfecting the script, in a yeah. sense, in the editing room. I mean, a big example of that really was 12 Years a Slave, which was like the story it's based on and like the film is shot. It was a linear story that went from Solomon being a free man uh, in the north to being a slave and then being released and there was um, at some point in our kind of fine cut we felt that we needed to get to Louisiana quicker in the story but we didn't want to shed the kind of important background material that was set up in that early material and mm-hmm. we ended up um, developing a flashback structure so that you start kind of in the middle of the film yeah, and then you loop back to it. And a lot of, 
I mean, you know, my little joke is that a large part of my career has been based on a very simple editing trick, which is that if you have um, somebody looking very intently and then you cut to something, <laughs> it suggests that that's what they're thinking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> it's a simple, uh, you know, trick that the Russians uh, got very clever about 100 years ago. So, um you know, in the case of 12 Years a Slave, we had that. Also in Widows, to a degree, we needed to change sometimes the um, structure of the film. Mm-hmm. It, it, one of the really important things in a film like that is that you are, you know, working apace with your audience, but also sometimes slightly ahead. And um, at one moment, I remember there's a particular scene that goes into the kind of past of of uh, Veronica Viola Davis's character. Mm-hmm. And it felt that in the original, uh, there was a right time to do that and a right order to do it, which wasn't as scripted, but I had material that could support that. You know, I had a lot of shots of Viola looking very intently and thinking deeply. Um, and that, you know, gives you a little flexibility in the edit. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can imagine it does. You know, and speaking of the edit itself, um, on a film like Widows, are you editing as footage is coming in or do you wait until near the end of shooting? How do you usually like to go about the process? Normally, I'm working um, from day one of the shoot or in fact, day two. I mean, I will take the first um, uh, day of dailies and start working on that and um, on the first weekend, I'll be showing some scenes assembled to the director, and uh, that's the normal pattern. And in fact, that's what mm-hmm. I've done for most of the last 10 films, I'd say. Yeah. But on Widows, I wasn't available during the um, the shoot. I was finishing Blade Runner. So uh, I, I took the film over um, when it came to a director's cut. So in this rare instance i um i was starting with steve in amsterdam in his hometown and everything had been shot by then um so uh but that's normally where i kick in is a day day one or two of the shoot what was your first assembly cut like i know the final runtime of the film is two hours and nine minutes long i'm curious to know if uh widows with such a large ensemble like you said all the speaking roles um if there was a cut that was any longer um, that's, I mean, that's so usual. It almost goes without saying. I mean, there's um, very rare do you work on a script that is so tight and uh, close to the finished thing. I think Sicario was the closest that I've cut something where the assembly maybe only gave me ten or fifteen minutes of, of um, you know, spare material that we could uh, that was loose and that we could yeah. uh, chip away. But mm-hmm. mo- most films are, are, you know, there's exploratory material. Or it, when you first assemble a scene, you will tend to give things pauses that the actors do the benefit of the doubt, for example. And then, you know, you come to a tough process in editing to work out, you know, which ones you know, let's try to avoid repetition and, you know, long delay sometimes. And you need to start feeling a way to finding a, a, a pace, a really, you know, pace for the whole film. Yeah. Um, that might mean that you've got two dialogue scenes next to each other and you have to kind of um, sacrifice or hold back one in order to kind of benefit the other, all those kind of things. So I think with those, like most um, assemblies was considerably longer than the, 
the finished film, but that's really usual. Was there any kind of uh, difference with Widows, just in terms of the fact that I know that of the films you've done with Steve McQueen, um, it has received the largest budget uh, compared to his other films? Was there any differences at all in terms of time or anything like that that you were afforded with Widows because of that? Well, I mean, if you compare the first film we did, Hunger and Widows, then one big difference is that um, with that size of financial investment, the studios are obviously keen to um, have it uh, tested by an audience quite regularly. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes to test how the story works and often it's a test of how it's to be marketed. It almost sounds like it's more pressure on you, if anything. Yes, but I mean, that pressure is something I really love. I mean, both me and Steve uh, respond really positively to that. I mean, we even though we didn't have the budget to do it on Hunger, we used to do it anyway. Um, you know, we had a, a friend of Steve's and uh, ran a cinema in central London. We used to go there on Friday mornings, um, every Friday morning, and uh, basically share um, a cinema with the cleaners. And um, while they were kind of clearing up, we would screen the film to family and friends and we would investigate really thoroughly what was working, what wasn't working, what people's suggestions were, what their takeaway from it was. So it's always been um, something we like to do. I think, you know, as an editor, you're, you have an imaginary audience in your mind all the time. And on a film like this, a heist movie, where you have lots of little pieces coming together and you're not always sure when you first see something how it's going to click into place later, you have to know exactly where the audience is, what information they've got, what questions they're asking, whether you've stimulated those questions accurately enough in order to get some satisfaction when they're answered. So it's, you know, it's something where how it feels in the room is incredibly important. And, you know, that relates to, um, you know, some story um, like plumbing that you might be able to remove to quicken up the middle of the film if people identify that things drag at a certain place will respond to it. And a very, you know, very simple example in, in Widows was that there was a joke um, where Alice is asked to go and buy guns. Mm -hmm. And it was a joke that I really liked. And me and Steve always found it funny. And um, for one or two screenings, it got no more than a mild murmur. <laughs> and um, I remember after one screening, we rushed back to London. The very first thing we did was just do a very brutal cut. And uh, we halved the line, you know, half the length of the line, and then we banged in some music. It was like a really... Um, you know, slightly tasteless cut of this mm -hmm. joke. We weren't too clever about it. We were just, uh, you know, um, hitting the bass drum and then smashing the cymbal. And uh, the next time it got a really big laugh. So, you know, I'm there's a thousand of those in the film that you might finesse and just think, um, that didn't get as good a response as I liked. And sometimes some things get a really big response and that response is clouding the next thing that happens and you might give it a bit more time to allow for a reaction to subside. I mean, that's typical of comedy editing yeah. uh, where things are often tested like that. So no, it's, although, um, yes, there's a lot riding on the film uh, financially. I think, you know, the, the, Steve's a very mature filmmaker and uh, uh, he's, you know, as he puts it, he always says, and I'm not stupid. <laughs> In other words, he'll <laughs> listen. Um, <laughs> you know, uh. he's not... Uh, 
you know, he has um, uh, he, he will fight for the film that he wants to make, but he will definitely uh, will bend the edit to 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 achieve what we want. And on this film, I have to say, you know, it, it's one of the things that really appealed to me about Widows when I first heard of it, which was a long time ago. He told me about it in 2012, I think, when we oh, were working wow. on 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. Uh, it's been and he it's been in his mind for a long time. Um, I remember the the, the 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 feeling I had was that it was going to be possible to have reach. You know, there are a lot of films that talk only to their own audience at the moment, and you know, in the world at the moment, we really need to reach beyond our own bell jars sometimes. And this was a film I felt that could really do that because it gives um, a, a genre and uh, a story and a thriller that everybody can enjoy, really enjoy um, as an audience member. But it also, you know, examines just about every major contemporary issue that we've got and Chicago specifically, which mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, a particular story. So, um, yeah, it was worth kind of tweaking things all the time um, to get it right. <laughs> you know, I, I talked a lot about how, this movie in particular is a kind of movie that it, it, it on the surface looks like it's entertainment genre, but <laughs> you would not expect that from Steve McQueen. And to your point, the film does touch upon so many different issues. And it's very, very clear when you watch it that even though it adheres to um, certain genre tropes for a wider audience, there is also a lot of deeper issues at hand and that Steve McQueen did make the film that he wanted to make. Just as much as there's a shot in 12 Years a Slave uh, that holds on Solomon's face for a good minute without dialogue and you say to yourself wow this is a filmmaker who knows exactly what he's doing and has purpose behind every shot that same level of sensibility comes through when you were watching a car chase or a heist or you know training whatever it is uh for this movie widows mm. and you know you talked a lot about your reaction the reaction screenings and the responses that you receive from that and how that can influence the editing Prior to that, did you have any influences in your mind uh, when you were cutting Widows or anything that McQueen had given as a for as a frame of reference? Any like uh, classic heist films or anything like that? No, um, but I mean, we. I know that early on we looked at um, we looked at some Billy Wilder actually, and we were looking at the kind of speed at which he sets up a story. We were aiming for getting. Uh, the story really rocking by a certain point. And I think we looked at, for example, some like it hot and, you know, it takes 10 minutes to know everything you need to know in that, in, in the setup of that story. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, we're, uh, we didn't really look at heist movies. I know a few, and I did look at a few f for my own edification and things, but I can't say that that had any lasting influence on the cut. I mean, what you're really doing as an editor is looking at these performances and sequences and scenes and trying to uh, get them, you know, resonating as much as you can. And, you know, particularly in a, in a large ensemble film, there's this um, endless... Uh, like a juggling act almost. Yeah, you want to give people their moment. You know, everybody has their moment in this film. I mean, yeah, and that can definitely. be achieved sometimes in a very small way. 
you know, that that might mean... Um, like Jackie Weaver's scene, for example. Yeah, there's a character, David, you know, who's the businessman played by Lucas Haas. There's mm-hmm. a scene where he's meeting Alice for the first time in the bar and she says, say something reassuring. And he says something reassuring and very charming. And even though you're kind of inclined not to like this guy because of what he's doing, he sort of uses sugar daddy sites and it seems to be exploitational in some way. There's this little beat you could add on where he's finished speaking and looks very earnest and then you cut back to her. And that little beat is that moment for him, I think, early on, one of those moments where you really get time to look at the character and work out what you think of him and to a degree, be rather, uh, you know, won over by him uh, against your instincts. So it's, it's you know, every one of the characters, I think, has um, some depth and um, uh, none more so than Veronica. You, you want to kind of, uh, as I say, deep dive into her character and, and find out how she got where she was. So it's, there are like many moments in the film where hopefully we've, uh, you know, done right by all the characters. Well, I think you certainly have. It's not only my favorite ensemble of the year, but I mean, the year's not over yet, but so far Widows is personally my favorite film of 2018 so far. Yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of everything that you guys have done with this. And so congratulations. I'm sure the film is going to do very well. And I really hope that everybody does get a chance to see it when it releases on November 16th, 2018. Joe? Thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate your time. Thanks. That was a lovely chat. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Absolutely. You take care. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Joe Walker, the Academy Award-nominated editor of the film Widows, which is opening in theaters on November 16th from 20th Century Fox. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, also on Acast, CastBox, and now on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback. Also, if you head on over to our Patreon for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Sleepover Cinema, Cinema. our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.